0: Look, Alex, when the Queen died, I wasn't particularly sad, nor was I particularly enthusiastic. I felt quite neutral and indifferent about it, if I'm honest. You know, I'm 49 years old. She's been a part of all all my life. she has been Queen well before I was born. So I wasn't there than great. You know, often when you look at the Queen, in some ways, there's certain things about her personality which is attractive. Certainly, if you're going to compare the way she's presented to most of the politicians we have on the right these days, who are like putting themselves forward plainly got their their snouts in the trough. You know, she comes over in lots of ways as a different sort of figure. And I I didn't have any particular objection to her. The thing that's bugged me is just the way that it's impossible to carry on, it's been impossible to carry on living normally over the last 10 days or however long it is since she died. Everything is closed off. Um, If you want to do football in Britain, no, you can't. All the football matches are cancelled. Even like amateur matches, even training for amateur matches are cancelled. Bird watching is cancelled, everything's cancelled. We're, we're forced to be spending a whole day supposedly glued to the box watching all this coverage about her. Uh, and for the very large number of people in Britain who feel like me, who aren't at all enthusiastic about her uh, replacement, Charles and so on, there's no place for us in that coverage. Um, you know, I live in London. We're a left-wing city. We always vote for the most left-wing option that's available. Um, something like 40 45% of people in London are Republicans but you'd have no sense of that um, over the last few few days on TV where it's just this constant barrage of messages telling us this has to be the most important thing in our lives and we have to feel a certain way. And it's a way which very large numbers of people, millions of people, don't feel,
1: frankly. It's much the same here in Australia I can tell you David where it's been wall to wall 24 hour coverage by particularly the Australian Broadcasting Corporation uh, doffing the cap uh, to, to the old British colonial masters and also to the BBC uh, whose own coverage has been uh, quite extraordinary in its uh, its persistence and its wall to wall nature and, and also the, the really the hagiographic nature of the, the way they've, they've covered the Queen. It's one thing isn't it David that football matches are interrupted and, and so forth and there's this uh, a constant movement Media coverage, but there's there's an even more sinister aspect to all of this, and you've spoken a little bit about this on on social media, and uh, I've been following the news as well. One dimension of this is the arrest of people staging perfectly peaceful protests, simply holding placards saying "Not in my king," uh, uh, sorry, "Not my king," uh, and, and so forth. So. A kind of a sinister aspect to, I think totalitarian is too strong a word, isn't it? But a kind of a dominant public discourse around how one is supposed to almost mandate to feel about the Queen and anyone who feels otherwise actually runs the risk of arrest even.
0: Yeah, look, I think that's right. I, I, I don't want to start with the sinister bit because I don't want to make it. I don't want to overdo it. I mean, I think the first point is actually just to the extent it's laughable the way in which all sorts of private businesses have been trying to attach themselves to to promote themselves as somehow connected to this, whether it's you know condom machines which can close down for five days, you can't get them in honour of the Queen, gay saunas saying that, you know, they're going to be giving um, complimentary drinks to people who go into the sauna at the same time as a funeral. But, you know, and it's just ridiculous. That wasn't her life. That wasn't the things which mattered to her at all. There's no connection. They're trying to create one. Where, where it's sort of bordering on the sinister is just the, the, the kind of ubiquity, the, the constant messaging. You know, um, one, one of the ways I often think about this is, and, and you use the word totalitarian. Again, I, I'm not saying this is how our lives are going to carry on beyond Monday, but, but you know, if, if you think about the old Eastern European dictatorships or or wherever else, which we sort of put up as, as the, the, the kind of prime instance of political evil in in, in our world. The, the truth was is that they they stopped at a certain point they turn around to their people and say, right, you're going to be presented with images about the regime and slogans, and they'll be on the municipal buildings, they'll be on parliament, they'll be on on streets around those buildings, but they won't be everywhere. You'll have quite a large space, if you like, to just go on and be silent and kind of get away from it. And that's one of the things that's really different now. I mean, it is kind of... It's bizarre, it's strange, it's extraordinary just walking across from one side of London to the other because what's happened is all sorts of private companies which previously would be messaging a buy this, whatever, watch that. They've given over all their advertising spaces to just these constant images of the Queen again and again and again. In terms of just the sheer volume of images sort of instructing us how to think and feel, there's far more than there would have been. Um, in a contemporary dictatorship in wherever in the 40s or 50s. So again, I, I don't want to exaggerate and say that this is sinister because let's hope that you know this is going to end in a day or so and that we'll get back into our ordinary lives. But for the moment, it's certainly pretty unpleasant.
1: I think that's a very pertinent set of observations, David. And uh, one thing that strikes me, however, is a contradiction at the heart of all this, it seems to me, that behind all the imposing uh, uh, imagery and and the, the pomp and ceremony and the constant media coverage, it strikes me there's a kind of a fragility at the heart of the British state and indeed British society more generally, because the Queen's death comes uh, in the context of an extraordinary series of historical events that have uh, struck Britain in recent times, obviously Brexit and then COVID, this huge cost of living crisis, inflation at 10%, uh, you know, the scandals of the Johnson administration now replaced by this unknown quantity in in Liz Truss. Uh, You know, the the prospect of the United Kingdom itself breaking apart with another referendum in Scotland on on the cards. There's this sort of overwhelming sense, uh, certainly looking at Britain from afar, of underlying fragility uh, in the state of British society. And I wonder if that's partly what's going on with with the media and the state actually propping up uh, these aristocratic traditions, uh, you know, at a time of weakness and fragility for the British state.
0: I know this isn't how people are going to be, uh, and I'm sure this isn't how people feel about it right now, but I could well see that, that part of the crisis could go on to be the crown itself. You, you know, we're, we've been habituated for such a long time to a certain style of doing the monarchy that that's all about service, self-denial. You know, the most striking um, and interesting thing about the Queen is that none of us know the first thing about her. You, you couldn't get you could put a hundred British people in a room and say, tell me something the Queen said or did that was memorable. And between us, we couldn't come up with one thing, even if you had a hundred of us there. The the whole genius of the Queen as a kind of style of doing power was it was a complete, um, abnegation, the self-denial. Now, now, very shortly, we're going to be faced with a completely different style of monarchy. We're already starting to see it, to do with the the personality of Prince Charles. He's a very different sort of person who's sort of, who's much more trying to get cross, to be touchy, to want to be at the center of things, to need to be heard constantly, and in ways that, you know, um, I think relatively soon are going to just feel quite, alien and quite unlikable to millions and millions of people so I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if the crown's part of that but but just on the broad picture you're right you know going into um, the last few weeks um, it's, all, it's all kind of been put on hold by the, the Queen's um, by the Queen's death but you know we, we were having strikes by almost every union of any size at all in Britain we were having um, vast numbers of protests about the environment there were um, you know getting on for a million people promising not to um, pay their fuel bills when they when they due to increase at the start of October and then the government of course is just on that last one has tried to sort of deal with the issue temporarily by throwing lots of money at it but the practical reality is is that you know through october november december we're seeing a cost of living crisis we're going to be seeing cost of living crisis in britain the likes of which we've never seen before so you know you've got a, a country which feels like it's impoverishing itself at double fast rate where all our institutions feel absolutely in crisis and, you know, I, I wonder if this is maybe a way of thinking about it. You know, if you were going to look at the Soviet Union in 1950 or 1953, you'd say this was an incredibly successful society. Look what happened when Stalin died. All over the Eastern Bloc, people turned out in, 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 in unimaginable numbers, this enormous outpouring of grief um, two or three years later in exactly the same countries. So the, the, the places which seemed to be utterly pro that, that way of governing whether that's Poland, Hungary, Germany, all those places that have suddenly inferment, often the same people who'd turned out and moored for silence just months and years later, saying, actually, we don't, we're angry about how things are going and we want it to change.
1: Yeah, and and you've sort of partly answered the question already there, there, David. That there is, um, I suppose, from an optimistic uh, point of view, on the, if, certainly if you're on the left-wing side of politics, whether there's that underlying mood for to for Britain to head in another direction. Because one of the things about the media coverage, isn't it, is that it, it paints the picture that everybody uh, is a fawning uh, royalist, that everybody loved the Queen, that everybody, almost as a corollary to that, is, is therefore happy with the state of British society and 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 the hierarchical uh, in, institutions of, of of ruling class uh, of capitalist society, but that's not not the case, is it? There is there, uh, you know, a mood for for strike action and for for collective resistance to, for instance, the cost of living crisis. So, do you see? Think it's a period of almost, as you say, uh, stasis now, or, or of. The, the the battle not being um fought for the moment it, it, it almost it, while you know while the queen is um lying lying in state but that will soon return to uh you know strike activity and and forms of civil resistance we hope well
0: look i think so it's not just a matter of hoping i'm not, i'm I think I'm being honest when I say that that's what, what will come next. Well, one of the things that's worth grasping about Britain, and, and again, I don't particularly know if that's the same, Nose, but I kind of guess it is, is, is that we, we've had this really strange period under COVID, which is only just starting to recede into the immediate past, where for two years, people were dying in, in numbers which are completely unprecedented. We had something like a quarter of a million more deaths than we should have if, if, just, if it hadn't been for COVID to just tick and trickle down normally. And in all that time, no one was allowed to mourn. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not alone. I had a close family member die in that, that period. What happened was that, you know, we couldn't go to, to do any sort of collective uh, experience of, of mourning together. We had, we had a church service that had three people at it, in our case. And that was, you know, for my dad, who, you know, many more than three of us loved him to bits. We just weren't allowed to do anything more than that. So so we're a society that's been told for two and a half years, you're not really allowed to mourn and to feel sorry for yourself. And I think that some of where the huge numbers come from, it isn't pro-queen, it isn't anti-queen, it's just a bunch of people who haven't had that chance to express how they feel. And suddenly, you know, society's turned on that tap and all that emotion just gushes out. Um, It's attached to the queen, but I think the connection to the queen is relatively shallow and and the sense in which it then carries on to being any identification with Charles is almost, non-existent already you know um bar some people in britain are showing are sharing stories and images about clearly what a touching irascible and unlikable person he's going to be so so already i think you're, you're seeing the kind of the, the germs of this new moment emerge and and that's even before we get on to all the things you talked about the strikes which have been not put on hold but still going to happen the the protests against global warming which have been put on hold but in two or three weeks going to start again, and this whole massive issue about inflation and the cost of living, which, you know, in lots of ways, Britain um, has been feeling like over the last couple of years, like we're going back into the 70s. And, you know, you you can press pause and make that go away for a few days, but you can't change the fundamental reality, which is that people have a lot less money in their pockets than they did three months ago or six months ago or a year ago or 10 years ago, and everyone knows it. And the only way they can keep their costs of living intact is actually to some extent by engaging what are these forms of protest, et
1: David, we'll finish on the question of uh, wherefore the monarchy itself. You've, you've mentioned that uh, King Charles III is... Uh, you know he's got a lot of work to do in terms of making himself as popular as the Queen because the, the Queen was a popular figure there's no doubt about that here that's true here as well and, and personality does matter in politics as much as we you know might uh, like like to think uh, otherwise um, the United Kingdom itself as I said uh, is, is under threat may not uh, be long for this world with uh, 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 Nicholas Sturgeon wanting another referendum in Scotland and, uh, and who knows what might happen from there so a bit of a cheeky question is the monarchy itself uh, long for this world and, and by extension is the United Kingdom uh, year-long you're, you're for this world. How do, you, how do you see things happening in, in the next few years?
0: Well, the, the, the pressures which are tearing apart the, the UK, it's, it's very easy to see how they're, they're going to continue and how they're going to accentuate. You know, we keep on having in Scotland um, a party being elected with huge majorities whose, whose central um, political plank is, is to achieve independence. Um, in the next few weeks, the Supreme Court here is going to be facing yet another court case about, for example, whether they're allowed to hold a referendum if, if, if the English government um, refuses. And there comes a certain point at which just, um, you know, um, anger with England, um, hostility against politicians down here won't even let people have a proper vote, etc. At some point, that will create the conditions for for you know what actually will be a, a referendum then then the mother of a kind of political struggle about what do we do with um people who no longer want to be part of the uk you can freeze that to some extent but it's been there and and you know every every rubbish tory politician says the politician we have in politics and every new one that gets elected the inevitability of that growth so so it's the uk i think that comes under institutional threat first um I think Charles isn't going to be as popular a figure um, as his mother was. Um, it, it's very clear from, you know, all sorts of ways, even down to, you know, how this particular um, process has been um, arranged, that, that, you know, the people of planet see that, understand that. And are constantly trying to come up ways to some extent of shielding him from public gaze um, in a way that they never had to do uh, before. So I'm not going to predict now that, you know, um, you know, the, the monarchy will be gone in 10 years. But, but you know, we're already at a stage where London and Scotland, um, it, you know, amongst the under 50s, you know, a Republican majority is going to be something that's going to happen anyway within the next year or two. In terms of majority of people wanting to view that way, um, when it gets to majority in Britain, I don't know. But, it, you know, that could well be over a much shorter time scale than appear from just from the pictures that you see on your screens now.